Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our prospect Q&A here at Birds on the Black. Um, from now on, it'll be called in some capacity the Prospect Macarena uh, as an ode to former Cardinal beat writer and post-dispatch columnist Joe Strauss, who uh, used to have some fun with the term Macarena and rights holders uh, in regards to uh, Cardinals players. Um, I'm Kyle Reese. I'll be your host. On Twitter, I opened up uh, the mailbag to whoever wanted to ask me some questions about prospects. We had plenty to talk about, and uh, I say we just get right into it. First of all, uh, before we get right into it, though, uh, I want to thank everyone for the continued support that you've provided to Birds on the Black as well as myself. Uh, we're building an amazing little community, and I feel privileged to be a curator, or uh, at the very least, to be part of it. Uh, let's keep it going. I'm going to try to be a little bit more aggressive about the prospect Q&As. Try to get one of those in a week. Uh, ooh. So what we have here first and foremost is I have all of the questions in front of me on the laptop and made it easier on Enchill who's going to put the video together. Uh, but again, we'll get right into it because I'll just keep talking and talking and talking. Austin Lamb, my friend who works at the Redbird Daily, who writes for the Redbird Daily, asks, two-parter, is Connor Green a legitimate prospect or organizational depth? Also, do you think with his fastball velocity and control problems, he's destined for the bullpen? Uh, I guess my first thought about Connor Green is he's too good to be as bad as he is. I texted my friend Colin Gardner that uh, earlier today. Um, Connor Green, a legitimate prospect. He's a legitimate prospect and he's organizational depth. He's sandwiched somewhere in there. Uh, the sky is the limit for him. He's too talented to not have a limitless potential. The only problem is because of his lack of command, you don't know exactly what kind of prospect he is. And he's still so young. Uh, he's only 22. It's hard to say exactly. To the second part of that question, do you think his fastball velocity and control problems have him destined for the bullpen? Personally, for me, I would like for them to put him in the bullpen immediately. I don't want them to waste time with him. They're going to need as many bullpen reinforcements throughout the year as possible. They have a stacked rotation at Memphis and Springfield, which we'll get to here in a second, thanks to our buddy Alan Medlock. Um, they have a stacked rotation in the minor leagues. They can afford to put this flamethrower with some sick off-speed stuff in the bullpen and have him ready to go as soon as possible. Also give him a chance to break the major league uh, break spring training with the Major League Club. That's how I would handle it. About Connor Green, because I haven't written about him yet. I've watched three of his starts from last year, playing for New Hampshire. And my impressions are, are mixed. His fastball is fast and it has solid movement. He, he lives between 96 and 100 miles an hour. He uses it too much and he doesn't have good enough control of it. What's really impressed me is watching him throw his curveball. His curveball is good. It needs to get better with command, but I actually want to see him throw his off-speed pitches more. I want to see him throw his curveball more. I want to see him throw his changeup more. I want to see him rely on his fastball less because, in my opinion, that's the pitch that he has the least amount of command of. Uh, his curveball, he changes his motion a little bit with, and he rushes his arm uh, through the throw when he's throwing a fastball, so you can tell. Uh, that there's a mechanical issue and a mechanical adjustment that needs to happen. 
But he's an interesting guy who could definitely impact the Major League Club by the end of the year. Again, I want him in the bullpen to start. Just put him in there, designate him for the bullpen, and have him ready to go when you need him. Uh, Heath Wayman asks our second question. Uh, per Austin Gomber's tweet slash video on Saturday, it seems that the hitch isn't as noticeable. I feel like that added I feel like that added deception. Heath likes the added deception, uh, and then he asked, "Do you think it would be a good change? Whatever is best for Austin. If Austin feels comfortable, uh, if Mr. Gomber feels comfortable eliminating that hitch." And he's still throwing his junk the way that he can throw his junk. I'm all for it. Uh, the video I saw, he was throwing out of the stretch. And the hitch was always diminished out of the stretch in the first place. But you could definitely tell that his mechanic had, be, had been smoothed out. Um, you're right. That hitch has created a great amount of deception. And it helps his pitches play up. I just want him to be comfortable. I don't want him to have to worry about fussing with his mechanics. I just want him to let it throw and easy. Uh, I want him out of his own head about those mechanics because he's too good of a pitcher to be continuously worried about his stuff and his mechanics. He just needs to go out and throw. He's a bulldog. He's that good. So, you know, it might not be the best thing, but if it means that he's comfortable or he's, you know, if it makes him more comfortable, then I'm not going to argue with it. Uh, let's see. Ryan Massey asked, also a former writer for the Redbird Daily, uh, could you predict and break down the Memphis rotation? Did Gomber do enough in his 12 starts to start the year in AAA? How about this for the Memphis rotation? We'll start with the guys that we know for sure are going to be in Memphis. So uh, unless things get weird in spring training with the Cardinals starting rotation, you have Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. Those are the two obvious ones. You know, again, unless things get weird in the Cardinals major league rotation, those guys, or they get traded, uh, those guys will start the year as 1-2 in the Memphis rotation. After that, you have Ryan Helsley. He ended the year in Memphis. He pitched for them in the playoffs. I would almost guarantee, again, unless he needs to be in the bullpen, uh, I would almost guarantee that he's number three. I do believe Austin Gomber did enough to start the year in Memphis. And if the Cardinals don't do it, they've decided to stunt his growth. They might have stunted his growth last year by sticking him in Springfield. That might have been a waste. It might have been a problem. Uh, but if he doesn't start the year in Memphis, that is a huge failure on the Cardinals' part. He's ready for it. He did enough. And it wasn't over the final 12. He got off to a rough start for sure, but he showed signs uh, outside of those final 12 that he's the pitcher that the Cardinals hope for. He's a pitcher that I know he can be. Uh, so, yeah, I think he did enough. So that's four. So where the fifth spot becomes really interesting, and it's not beyond the Cardinals to start the year with a six-man rotation of either Springfield or Palm Beach or Memphis, uh, the fifth spot will come down to what they decide to do with Alex Reyes, I would assume. You know, I know the date is May 1 for him to contribute to the Major League Club, but he's going to need to start at Memphis in some capacity. I want him to start in the Memphis rotation. So, hedging my bets, I'm going to say Alex Reyes is the fifth starter. If they decide to go six starters, which they should to start the season with Alex Reyes in it, Daniel Ponce de Leon has to be that sixth arm. Uh, it's time to stretch him back out after that gruesome accident that happened last year after taking a line ball on his head. He's ready to pitch. He needs to be given the chance to start. Uh, he's ready to go. He's a ballsy kid who isn't scared of anything. So I'm all on board uh, for Daniel Ponce de Leon to take the sixth spot. The thing that comes with that is that leaves a couple arms that could start in the bullpen. You know, John Gant, where's he going to start? 
part of you thinks that, you know, he's got to be in a starting rotation. Maybe he's in the bullpen. Uh, Mike Mayers, who I can't help but think is going to get every chance with the bullpen being constructed the way it is. Mike Mayers is going to get every chance to break with the major league club uh, out of spring training in the Ryan Sheriff role, because Ryan Sheriff at this point is the one role that is up for grabs with Cecil and Lyons as the lefties in the bullpen. Uh, so keep that in mind. And then uh, Matt Pierce, who is on our top 30 prospect list as my boy, a uh, new boy, as Graham would be, would be pleased to know. Uh, Matt Pierce has started. He's done nothing really but start uh, in his minor league career. And they need a spot for him as well. So they're still deep in pitching. And if I was hedging my bets how the rotation would you know, start at the beginning of 2018, it would be Flaherty, Hudson, Helsley, Reyes, and uh, Gomber. And then again, I think that they roll six deep and have Daniel Ponce de Leon in there. And uh, while at the same time trying to figure out exactly what to do with Mayers and Gant and uh, Pierce. That's what I think you'll see in the Memphis rotation. Uh, Neil Hellner, the baseball guy number one, who is the... He's a really interesting guy. I love following him on Twitter. Everyone should follow him. Again, it's the baseball guy one. Um, Neil's The thing I respect most about Neil is his ability to stand up when other people are talking trash, uh, warranted or unwarranted. He's not afraid to be the devil's advocate at all times, whether it's something he believes in or doesn't believe in. And that's valuable. It's a valuable critical thinking tool on Twitter uh, when oftentimes we're following people that only believe what we believe and we're only conversing with people that believe what we believe and we're only being mean to the people who don't believe what we believe. So Neil is a great resource to have. He frustrates people, but the reason he frustrates people is sometimes he brings up questions that other people have trouble answering. Uh, Neil asks... He made a request first that I'm planning on writing an article about, uh, eventually. Uh, I'd like to see a compare-contrast of O'Neill versus Bader, uh, Jag versus Mercado, and Hudson versus Connor Green. Again, there's a lot to break down there. I, I look forward to having time to address that in an article or another video, for that matter. Uh, great, great stuff there, Neil. But then Neil asks, how valuable is Max Schrock long-term as a super utility guy? Hold on. Again, I'm trying to cut down on the bourbon, so I'm drinking a Sapporo, a light beer. I'm sorry, I apologize. I'll get back to bourbon for the top 50 prospects, or top 30 prospects, I promise. Max Schrock, as a super utility guy, creates a problem. I'm a huge fan of Max Schrock. I love the guy. Here's a fun Max Schrock stat for you. Between three years in college and now four years in the minors or whatever, he has 1,123 at-bats. And he only struck out 100 times in those 1,100-plus at-bats, 42 of which came during this season. Think about that. The guy doesn't strike out. That contact tool is as good as you're going to find in the minor leagues. He's a really impressive kid, but he's not a super utility player. He's only played 12 games at the minors at, shorts, at shortstop. He didn't play there much in college either. He played a little third base uh, in college, just a teeny bit. Uh, He's a second baseman, and he's not a particularly great second baseman at that. So his prospects as a super utility player, I would say, are small. But he does have the potential to be a starting second baseman uh, with top of the lineup 
hit tool. I'm impressed by the power he brings too. There's power to be untapped in that bat. And I think we're gonna to start to see that a little bit as he gets more comfortable. Uh, the comparison I always make with Aaron Miles, with uh, Max Schrock is Aaron Miles. They're, those two guys remind me so much of each other, so much. But the problem with Schrock as a super utility player is that he's not exactly a utility player. Uh, you know, if you needed to sub him in at shortstop or third, you might be able to get away with it for a couple games. Uh, it's not something you would ever hope for or ever want. Um, which is a bummer, too, because Schrock bats left-handed and throws right, and the Cardinals could use that on the bench. They could use that as an option. Uh, so, unfortunately, as a super utility player, he doesn't necessarily have uh, the highest upside. But, and I, I've come to love Colton Wong. I believe, Neil, that you're a big fan of Colton Wong as well. Um, if Colton has a bad year, I feel comfortable with Max Schrock replacing him uh, if it ever came to that. And that's a valuable tool to have because I don't know if the Cardinals had that before they traded for Schrock. Uh, I'd argue that Darren Seferina has a chance, but one step at a time. Uh, Luke Flush asks, uh, which of the prospects that the Cardinals received in a trade this year has the highest upside? Which one, will, uh, which one do you think will contribute the most in the, to the big league club and where will each start the year? Piece by piece. Uh, which one has the highest, or with a prospect to receive this year, has the highest upside? That's Connor Green. Connor Green has a chance to be a closer, a dominant closer. Uh, he has a chance to be a solid rotation piece. There's still a lot of development there. The other thing to remember about Connor Green is when he was drafted, he couldn't throw hard. And he's developed the velocity. So he's still trying to figure out how to throw with the velocity he's throwing with. Uh, but the velocity, the curveball, the changeup, it's all there, which make him, his ceiling is through the damn roof. It's just, it's not remotely there yet, and it needs quite a bit of refinement. Which of, uh, which of those guys do you think will contribute the most to the big league club? Uh, my guess is that, so the Cardinals, the acquisitions that they've made prospect-wise, you have uh, Yairo Munoz, you have Max Schrock, uh, J, J. B. Woodman, J. B. J. B. J. B. Uh, it's either J. D. or J. B. I can't believe I'm doing that. It's J. B. Woodman, who the Cardinals acquired from Toronto for uh, Aledmi's Diaz, and then Connor Green, who they just acquired also from Toronto for Randall Grichik. Uh, of those guys, which one will make the biggest major league impact? It will be the super utility potential of uh, Yairo Munoz, is my guess. Um, imagine if Greg Garcia could hit for power. And granted, he hit a 440-plus home run in Colorado last year, which was the farthest of the season for the Cardinals. But imagine if he had consistent power. Uh, imagine if he was just a little bit better. And that's Yairo. Uh, if I'm guessing, it's Yairo. But... If the Cardinals take my suggestion, which would be put Connor Green into the bullpen immediately, it would be him. Uh, because they're going to need as many bullpen arms as they can get this year, even with the acquisition of Leon and Gregerson. Uh, you can never have enough bullpen arms. The Cardinals are going to need them. And then, and where will each start? Uh, Yairo and uh, Schrock will start in Memphis, I would think. Although, there's an infield logjam especially at Memphis. That's going to make it super interesting to see where these kids go. 
Both of them are ready for AAA. Munoz played in AAA last year. He needs to stay there. Schrock did all he could at AA. Putting him back in the Texas League isn't going to do him any good. Both of those guys will be at Memphis. Woodman's interesting. Woodman was at the Peoria level last year, but he's old for the level. I think he starts in the outfield for Springfield. Um, and then Connor Green, who was at AA last year, I think if... If they decide to have him stay as a starting pitcher, he'll be there. And if they decide to put him in the bullpen to start, it'll be Memphis. So uh, to recap, Munoz and Schrock is in, are in Memphis. Uh, Green, if he's pitching out of the pen, it'll be Memphis. If he's pitching out of the rotation, it's Springfield. And then J.B. Woodman, that'll be Springfield as well. That's my guess. Uh, and that's all for Luke. Alan Medlock asks, can you give a snapshot? Alan Medlock, my buddy. Super cool dude, super awesome guy. Uh, also writes for the Redbird Daily, check him out. He's also at Meet Me Unusual, uh, the podcast with C70, who has a question here in a little bit. I love that podcast. I try to listen to it whenever I can. Give it a listen. Uh, can you give a snapshot of the opening day outfields in Memphis and Springfield? So Memphis is easy. Uh, I'm operating underneath the assumption. Hold on. Hmm. I'm operating underneath the assumption that Harrison Bader is starting the year in St. Louis as the fourth outfielder, which means if you're work if you're working right or uh, left to right in the Memphis outfield, you have Tyler O'Neill, Oscar Mercado playing center, and Jose Adalas Garcia playing right. That's where they should stay. That's a perfect outfield. It's also fun because the Cardinals have two reserve outfielders who will be there. They have. Uh, uh, Oh, Jordan Schaefer, who was the guy who was trying to be a outfielder slash left-handed relief pitcher last year, and I believe he had to have Tommy John surgery or shoulder surgery or something. He's under contract again. Uh, he'll be in the Memphis outfield and pitching out of the bullpen, I would think. And they also tr uh, signed a kid named Graydon Goatsman. And he played in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. He, they signed him to a minor league uh, a minor league contract. And he'll be another outfielder down there for them. Uh, he's an interesting guy. He doesn't hit for a lot of power. He's a little bit like former Cardinal prospect Charlie Tilson, but not as good of a hitter and not as fast. Um, not as good of a base stealer. But he's kind of that like similar uh, slash profile hitter. So that's Memphis. Again, I'll recap. Tyler O'Neill. Oscar Mercado, Jose Adalas Garcia with Jordan Schaefer, and uh, uh, Grandin Goatsman toiling around, giving them some relief when they need it. The Springfield outfield is super interesting. Left field will be Randy Arozarena. Randy's ready for Memphis, but he's going to have to be in trip in AA because of the logjam. In center field, I believe uh, Lane Thomas will be the center fielder for Springfield. Now, you're probably scratching your head thinking, who in the hell is Lane Thomas? Well, if you'll remember, Lane Thomas was traded from Toronto to the Cardinals last year for international draft money. After he was traded, he got hurt almost immediately and he missed nearly all of 2017, but he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, he was playing at the Palm Beach level and I believe that they'll be aggressive with him and he'll start the year in Springfield as their center fielder. Uh, that's, it just fills in really well there. He's kind of interesting, too. He's a little bit like Charlie Tilson as well. Uh, 
that's kind of, I mean, as you can tell, if I did it two in a row, that tells you I'm kind of cashing in the player comp. But I just want to give you kind of an idea from like a slash line standpoint, a power standpoint. There's not much power there. Uh, the Toronto fans love Lane Thomas. They love him. I made a comment on Twitter when the Cardinals traded for him that, yeah, he's just kind of a guy. And they blew up my mentions, man. They blew him up saying he's more than that. He isn't. Uh, but he's a perfect little depth piece, and he's going to be an intriguing guy to roam around center field at Springfield. And then in right field, I believe that it's going to be J.B. Woodman. Uh, that's just how I... J.B.'s old. He's like 23. He needs to be at Springfield. If he's at Palm Beach, he's wasting away, and the Cardinals don't really have a bunch of options, uh, ups, high upside or upside options, to, uh, to have at Springfield. And then for them... And I guess you could put Woodman down at Palm Beach and then have either uh, Shane Billings, who's kind of a scrappy little dude who gets on base well enough but doesn't hit for much power. Uh, Vince Jackson, who had a really decent second half last year at Palm Beach, but it's kind of whatever. And uh, Blake Drake, who could start at right field while Woodman works his stuff out in Palm Beach. But I, I think you're going to see some combination at the very least, of Lane Thomas, Randy Arozarena, Shane Billings, Vince Jackson, and Blake Drake uh, with J.B. Woodman in there somewhere. So there you go. Those are the outfields to start the year for the Memphis Redbirds and the Springfield Cardinals at home. Thanks for the question. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. What's next? Tell me about Junior Fernandez and Jake Woodford. Also, who's the next man up if DeYoung craters or goes down? We'll start with Junior Fernandez and Jake Woodford. Now, Junior Fernandez is a really, really, really interesting kid. He'll be 21 at the beginning of the 27, or 2018 season. He has an above-average curveball that doesn't get the credit it deserves. It's definitely one of the best in the organization. Uh, and his fastball, which was pretty steady in 94 last year, 94-95, he's been known to be able to dial up. Junior Fernandez had a really interesting 2017 season. For every good start he had, he had a bad start. And he had two of the best starts in all of the minors. He threw his first complete game shutout, which he took a screenshot of the box score and put it on Twitter, which I love. I love that level of excitement, that level of pride that he took in his achievement. And then he had another really, really great start that it was a complete game but not a shutout. Um, but he also had a bunch of bad starts. He would do really well and then struggle. And then he missed the last month and a half or so uh, with what turned out to be shoulder fatigue. Luckily, it's not a serious injury. Uh, but he's a big body. He's 6'1", 6'2". He throws hard, like we said. Uh, the problem is that he lacks a certain amount of command. And aside from the changeup, his curveball is kind of weak. He doesn't throw it enough, and it's not good enough. So he's kind of a two-pitch guy who, uh, who doesn't have enough command necessarily to profile as a starting pitcher right now. He did show signs last year. He showed more signs last year than he had in forever. Uh, but he'll be 21 and he'll probably be in, this, be in the Springfield rotation. And that'll be some exciting stuff because he's super talented. And to see him take the steps that he took in 2017, although, again, it was inconsistent, uh, were really encouraging. Jake Woodford is big. Uh, he's 6'4". You know, they have him listed at like 210, 205, something like that. He's bigger than that. He's a bigger body. Uh a lot of people immediately compare Jake Woodford to Jack Flaherty. They're not the same guy. Uh, Woodford's a little sloppier. He doesn't have the command that Flaherty has, uh, has demonstrated. 
I do expect him to take a jump forward this year like Flaherty did last year, but not to the level that Flaherty took it. Just like a smaller version of that jump. He'll also be pitching in the Springfield rotation. Springfield rotation is going to be pretty good too. Um, the thing with Woodford is that he's a command pitcher. Uh, he's like that prototypical pitcher that Dave Duncan would love to have. Like, you know, pitches down in the zone. Uh, slider changeup, which is, you know, a pretty solid combination. He, neither of them have really great movement. Woodford's changeup can be really impressive at times. Uh, but he commands both of those better than, say, the secondary offerings of Junior Fernandez. Uh, he's a big boy who, again, doesn't strike out a lot, put on too many base runners last year, but finished really, really strong to start the season. Uh, to end the season, I mean, uh, in 2017. All of a sudden, I'm super thirsty. Um, both of those guys will be in our top 30 prospect list that will start on January 27th over at the Redbird Daily and January 28th at Birds on the Black. Um, yeah, that's really all to say about them, you know. They're both super young, both 21, going to be 21 in 2018. And they both are two completely different pitchers. Woodford relies on contact and finesse. Fernandez relies on power and overpowering and speed. Uh, oh, the top 30 prospect thing. Colin and I are split on him. I personally think that Junior Fernandez is the better prospect. And Colin Gardner over at the Redbird Daily, uh, he believes that Jake Woodford is a better prospect. It's going to be fun to chart those two in 2018 and see how they do. Um, I hope I gave you all that you needed. Uh, I believe that question came, hold on, let me, let me, it came from the Redbird Army Choir. Yeah, Redbird Army Choir uh, asked that question about Woodford and Fernandez. Uh, they also ask, if the young goes down, who's the next man up? I believe it's uh, Yairo Munoz. That's, that's what I believe. Uh, they'll try to get cute with the shortstop position. They'll do the Jerko thing at short and adjust, and, and then that won't work out, and they'll add Alex Mejia, and then that'll be exactly what we saw last year out of Alex Mejia. Uh, eventually, it's going to be Yairo. So th that's my guess, at least. Unless they sign someone... The infield depth at the major league level is a concern for me. The middle infield depth, because I don't buy into Greg Garcia, and I don't like the idea of Mike Carpenter playing third because of that bum arm that he has that is already kind of weak to start off with. So that kind of limits what you can do in the middle of the infield if things get weird. So that's why I think it's Yairo Munoz. Uh, C70, Daniel Shoptaw, uh, again, a member of the Meet Me at Usual podcast that you should subscribe and review on iTunes. Uh, Daniel asks, Besides your own viewing, what sources do you find most trustworthy when it comes to valuing prospects and which do you find the least? Before we get to who I trust, let me say this. I don't mean to throw anyone under, underneath the bus here. Because who do I trust the least is going to be an under throwing under the bus situation. Sorry, I dropped something. Dropped a pen. Hey, what's up? Uh, who do I trust the least? I trust Eric Longenhagen over at Fangraphs the least. They rely an unusual amount on a projection system that is almost completely isn't very accurate. Also, Longenhagen is great when it comes to guys that he has seen personally but he's bad with reports a lot of times he's 
the information he's providing you are old reports. Uh, a lot of times with collegiate players, unless they're the, the top 100 prospects, a lot of times with collegiate pe- players, it could be as old as like sophomore year for true freshmen. You know, there's a little, a little fallacy that, that's in there. It's just a lot of stuff that he puts out there isn't as updated as you might like. Uh, who do I trust the least? I'm not a big fan of uh, the sickles. I, I don't even read that anymore. I stopped looking at that. I, I don't know where that information comes from. Uh, it's bad. Minor league baseball is bad. Um, who do I trust the most? From a national perspective, it is simple. It's baseball America. Those guys put in the work. They're talking to each other. They're communicating. They're, they're something different. Like It is the best service publication for prospects nationally that you're going to find. The key with them is to know what each one of their scouts, what each one of their writers values more, gets excited about the most, and does not value. I'm going to use two examples. We'll, talk, we'll start with Kyle Glasser. Kyle Glasser wrote the Cardinals' top 10 prospect list and the write-ups on all those guys uh, for the 2018 season. Kyle Glasser has a similar outlook to prospects as I have. They're overvalued. When I tell you that Harrison Bader is going to be a fourth outfielder, it's almost sacrilege to some people who read our stuff. But that's because a lot of people don't realize how tough it is to be a fourth outfielder, how rare it is to find a fourth outfielder. When I tell you Jake Woodford has the potential to be a number five starter, like a lot of people say, he can be a number three, right? Everything would have to go ultimately correct. Kyle Glasser views it that way. So Yairo Munoz, if I told you he's going to have play parts of three seasons in the major leagues, that's a victory. And that's all that he was going to play. That's a victory. A lot of people don't view it that way. A lot of people don't realize how rare it is to be a prospect and play at major league level for a continued period of time. Kyle Glasser is one of those guys. Now, that means he's a little bit more pessimistic about prospects. Whenever I'm reading his stuff, I'm usually keeping that in mind. He's especially that way with pitchers. If you read, most of the time, every pitcher is a bullpen arm to him. Uh, it's really fun to read. It's really interesting. But, you know, Jordan Hicks is a bullpen arm. Uh, Ryan Helsley's a bullpen arm. Junior Fernandez is a bullpen arm. And while there's a chance that that's going to happen, that's hedging your bets. That's what I do, too. So I respect Kyle Glasser and his outlook. Um, Kyle Glasser also, he's a big fan of the OPS, which is another thing that I am. You'll, you'll find if there's a guy with high OPS, he'll go all in on that guy. Um, he also is a big fan of defensive players. So anyways, I bring all that up. The key with these guys uh, on Baseball America is to know what they favor and what they don't favor and kind of adjust there. Uh, the other guy is Ben Badler. Ben Badler is the best. He's absolutely the best. Uh, but with Ben... The thing about him is I know that if there's a prospect at the low, low levels that he is tooting, tooting, tooting that horn for, the guy's not that good. Uh, he's not as good as Ben makes him out to be. He loves those kids. He, ben, ben Badler sees those raw tools and he can project and his mind sees like the sunny side. I know that and I adjust my evaluation based on what he's saying accordingly. So uh, again, They've had quite a turnover at Baseball America uh, over the last year. Manuel's not there anymore. He was really interesting. He was pretty, like, you could count on him to give a pretty solid and, 
and thorough uh, thorough examination of a player uh, that didn't sway one way or the other. But Baseball America is it. And then, uh, for a local root and interest standpoint, uh, for the Cardinals, the Cardinal Nation writers of uh, Walton and who I almost uh, uh, Brian Walton and Derek Shore are about as good as you're going to get. Now, they have a subscription service at the Cardinals Nation, and I recommend that everyone pays for that. They're better than everyone. They're better than I am. Uh, when I started writing for the Redbird Daily, uh, it was last November that John Nagel uh, came to me and asked me if I wanted to write for him, and that's when I agreed to write. I canceled my subscription to the Cardinal Nation because I didn't want to be getting my information from them and then, you know, uh, stealing it and giving it to you as my own. So I don't subscribe to them anymore, and it's vastly, vastly ruined uh, the amount of information I take in. Uh, Derek Shore in particular. Derek Shore is brilliant. He's the most underrated scout in all of America. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, he's a smart guy, really interesting. Uh, but that's it. That's who I... And then other than that, uh, you know, uh, Daniel, I watch a ton of video. I watch, like I said earlier this, this weekend... I watched three of Connor Green's starts. I'm doing that. I, I watched a, probably 50 of Yairo Munoz's at-bats. Uh, I watched like 20 at-bats of Max Schrock just randomly and was sold. Um, J.B. Woodman, it's hard to find a lot of video on him. But I believe that the key to my success is to continue to evaluate prospects the way that I evaluate. And I, you know, I try not to take in too much. If I, if I come across a prospect Q&A somewhere, I'll read that. Um, but that's... That's really it. Uh, thanks for the question, Daniel. And then G-Dub, uh, our boy Keeping Secrets, Grant. I believe it's Grant. I'm sorry if I messed it up. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, which cards prospect not currently projected for the 25-man roster should I keep an eye on in 2018 to be useful? The easy answer to me is Jack Flaherty because if there's... Say things don't go well with Alex Reyes, who I'm omitting from this even though he won't be on the 25-man to start. If things go wrong with anybody in that rotation, Flaherty's the first person up. And with big question marks around four of those guys, Jack Flaherty's the one I'm stashing. Uh, Connor Green could be interesting, like I said, because of the potential back end of the bullpen relief that he could possess. But, uh, you know, it's a shame that Jack Flaherty struggled at the end of the year last year because no one knows exactly how good he is. He's legit. He is super legit. He's died for first. Um, he's, he's impressive. He throws five pitches. They all come from the same slot. SDL Cup of Joe wrote an amazing article about it on Birds on the Black. You need to check it out. Uh, but he's hard to hit. He's hard to pick up. He's dedicated. He's strong. He's kind of a monster. He doesn't have a fatigue issue. He doesn't throw balls a ton. Uh, for him, it'll just be confidence. And that's what you saw him lacking last year. And he was also fatigued out a little bit. I said he wasn't fatigued, and then I say he's fatigued. Uh, you know, last year he threw more pitches and pitch more innings than he ever had. So those innings at the major league level were kind of, you know, end of tank innings. Uh, so yeah, I'd go Jack Flaherty. I think that's your best bet because I don't think that any of the guys who aren't on the 25-man roster or projected to be on the 25-man roster from a position player standpoint uh, will get a chance to perform uh, on a regular basis to make a fantasy impact. So Jack Flaherty is my answer. And then the last question uh, again, from Austin Lamb, who asked our first question, I believe. Uh, excluding Reyes, 
which current cards prospect has the best chance to be an MLB Hall of Famer? Finish the beer. Uh, I hate you, Austin. No, um, I'll say this. You can do less and be a Hall of Famer as a catcher than any other position. That is until Omarvis Kell becomes a Hall of Fame shortstop and then it all changes. But you can do, you can be less dominant as a catcher and be a potential Hall of Famer. So with that in mind, I'll say Carson Kelly has the best chance of being a Hall of Famer uh, of any of the Cardinals prospects. Of course, that's not going to happen. He, his growth has been stunted because of what they did to him last year. He has limited starts uh, that he'll see over the next three years, unless Yachty gets hurt, which is, I mean, it's more than likely to happen because of his age. Uh, but basically what I'm doing here, Austin, is I'm just thinking, you know, he could have a statistically average career as a hitter and be as good of a catcher as he's capable of being and be considered for the Hall of Fame. Um, maybe after this year, we're talking the same thing about Andrew Kisner. He still has a lot of work to do, uh, a little bit of work to do behind the plate. Uh, but that's, that's my answer. You know, realistically, and this is the problem with last year and Carson Kelly, this is where the heartbreak comes in. If Carson Kelly would have got the chance to finish all of 2017 at Memphis and not been toyed with from the day he got called up, I would be okay with him starting 30 of 162 games this year, uh, 40 of 162 games this year at the major league level, and being Yachty's backup uh, for the next three years. It'd be interesting, and it still would stun his growth, but it'd be better than what they did last year when he still had work to do at the plate uh, as a hitter, and then having him be Yachty's backup, or whatever that was, because he wasn't Yachty's backup. He wasn't even Yachty's understudy. He was like the bastardized catcher of all bastardized catchers. Uh, so, the, you know, he has an uphill climb. He has some making up to do. Uh, things have to fall right for him this coming season in the next two years. Uh, and if he's not getting 30 games at least as a starter, then the Cardinals have decided that his development isn't important. And that winning in the long haul with a, you know, having, a, having an advanced catcher in the long haul isn't worth telling Yachty it's time. So that's, that's my answer. Again, I know that's kind of a cop-out. You know, you've got some outfielders who are really interesting. You know, if everything, everything shakes out right for Tyler O'Neill, he might be a 50-home run guy over a couple of years. But again, that's like, that's if everything goes 100% correct. Uh, and, and that's it. Uh, that's our last question. Uh, I tried to get through it quicker than I normally would. We had 10 questions or something like that. And I, you know, normally that stuff would last about an hour and a half or something. Uh, we're approaching the 40 minute mark now, but, uh, this has been a blast. We're going to try to do this once a week, starting next Sunday on birds on the black. Uh, you're going to get prospect number 30 on our list. Uh, and then every other day for the next two months, we're going to be counting down from 30 to one. Uh, we did Battle of the Pitchers last week at Birds on the Black. That was incredible. STL Cup of Joe and Cardinals Gifts really nailed that. Uh, Alex wrote an interesting article yesterday about first names uh, and the most players with first names in Cardinal history. It was a really cute, really interesting article. 
Uh, Bruno is going to be putting out his part three of the 2017 season and recap. And I will be at spring training on March 1st through March 5th, uh, working on getting a press pass for that. Uh, but what I'm getting at is we've got some pretty amazing, amazing coverage that's coming up for you at Birds on the Black. You're going to want to stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be better than any other place you're going to find. So might as well pull up a seat, get ready for it. Uh, that's it for our Prospect Macarena. Uh, I am Kyle Reese. This has been an ultimate pleasure. Uh, you guys are fantastic. Uh, for everybody at Birds on the Black, uh, thank you so much, and happy hunting. <laughs>